Welcome to an almost conference season episode of the Three Bid League podcast. As always, I'm Tyler, joined by my co-host Matt. And today we're going to start looking at the A-10 as a whole, start to preview conference play, joined by a very special guest. Some of you may know him as the former head coach of UMass in Chattanooga. Some of you may know him from his work on Field of 68. Plenty of you probably know him from being on NBC, appearing on those USA Network broadcasts of the A-10 games last season. It's Coach Matt McCall. Thank you for joining us. I appreciate you guys having me. We're just a few days away from tipping off A-10 season. You know, January 6th, the game, you know, as a, as a head coach, you're always, you know, right when you get back from Christmas break, some teams are playing one game. Some teams aren't playing any game. They're just getting ready for the sixth. And that is a time where it is, hey, we're staring down the gauntlet of, of 18 games and you know, I think the Atlantic 10 right now is is a wide open race. I think, you know, Dayton has, has separated themselves a little bit just with their body of work, but it's like, who else is going to be that second, third, fourth and team to really step up? And I know we're going to get into that, but this is exciting. It's an exciting time. You know, the 26th of December, you know, for college coaches and college players was always a challenging time because you get a couple days off, everybody goes home, you get a chance to catch your breath and now you come back to campus and it's all basketball. So if you're all about basketball, it's a great thing. There's no students on campus. You can work your players out as much as you want. You can strength train, practice, everything. How do you occupy their time? Because you can't just go in there for three hours and crush them every single day because you got to save their legs for, you know, the games and everything. But um, it's a it's a challenging time in terms of that, just with nobody else being on campus. But then you're a week away from conference play and, playing for a championship and every single game matters. It all matters. There's something on the line every single night you play. Yeah. And this year, especially in the A-10, there's more on the line than I think certainly a lot of people would say last year, where at this point an at-large bid already looked pretty bleak. This year, there's plenty of teams with some at-large hopes. And at the top of that list, the preseason favorite Dayton Flyers, coached by your longtime colleague, Anthony Grant, and obviously led by the now 90 feet of excellence from Deron Holmes. But as someone watching this Dayton team this year, what's one thing besides Holmes that you feel like will be the biggest reason for them to either lift a trophy, make it to the NCAA tournament, maybe both? Well, I thought you saw Kobe Elvis struggle a little bit early in the season and trying to find his rhythm on offense. I mean, he, him and Malachi Smith, my last year in the league at UMass, th those two guys – they were something that I, I, I've said this a million times and I really believe this. I think they were one win away from being an NCAA tournament team that lost to LaSalle late in the, in the season. They lost at LaSalle at Tom Gold arena. I think if they win that game and the run that they made in the tournament, my last game was a head coach knocking us out of the tournament on a, on a, on a crazy game. I think if they, they had won that LaSalle game late in the season, I think they may have gotten in. And those two guys were a big reason why as well as Deron Holmes. But Kobe Elvis and Malachi Smith were a huge reason why that they had such a good year that year and were a borderline NCAA tournament team. And you see Kobe Elvis was just trying to find his rhythm, find himself. He's battled some injuries. We know that. And it takes some time to come back from that. 
But what he did in the Cincinnati game and how well he played in that game for them, it was like, okay, this guy's back. And you've got Holmes, you've got Santos. Those guys have been, you know, extremely consistent. Kobe Bryant, they've got a lot of different weapons. But to me, for them to get over the top, Elvis is the guy that if when he finds his stride on offense, which it really, you know, seemed like he did versus Cincinnati, this is a different basketball team. Yeah, I think it, when we look at the, the Atlantic 10 right now, they're at the top of the list by far. And then who's going to be in that next tier that is going to compete for the championship with Dayton? Yeah, and Kobe Elvis, I would personally say, had the best game of his career in that Cincinnati game. But you look at what happened against Troy right before that, Oakland right after. He's walked into this Christmas break playing the best ball he has in his life. And he's looking like a, a potential true number two option next to Deron Holmes. Yeah, and he's looking like an all-league player. I mean, in those games, and you mentioned it. Um, and, and if he plays at the level that he's playing with, I think it's going to be hard for anybody else in the league to catch Dayton. I, 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 you know, with how Coach Grant is using Deron Holmes, too, I mean, they're essentially playing him at a point forward. I mean, he's bringing the ball up the floor. You know, and that's the way that the game has evolved. That's what you see the NBA doing. I mean, Anthony Davis brings it up for the late. I mean, that's what the game is now. And and Anthony is letting Deron Holmes do that, which is so impressive. And that that's what makes him tough for the guard. One of the most interesting stats to me is they're one of the most efficient offensive teams in the country. But, you know, when you look at their Ken Palm ratings in terms of pace of play, I think they're one of the bottom teams in the country. So that means when the ball gets across half court, they score. It may take some time for it to get there, and they're not going to waste possessions, and they're not going to try to take the first shot or a bad shot. They're going to wait until they get a really, really good shot, and that's what is one of the most impressive things about their team to me uh, and just their three-point shooting. I mean, Santos, I think at one point in time, was shooting 60% from three, I think it's dipped. I think he missed a couple against Detroit in, in Troy game. Uh, we actually had them in studio for NBC. So maybe his percentage dipped a little bit, but he's, you know, at the clip that he's going at, it's been super impressive. Um, and just those numbers in terms of their efficiency and their pace of play and their three point shooting, they're not coming down and wasting possessions. And I think that's why they're a good offensive team. Yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty much been the key for Dayton. Two big improvements from last year, just the improved three-point shooting where they're second in the country right now, which nobody could have expected, and then also just not turning the ball over. But I think most people would agree with Dayton at 22nd in the net. They are looking like the favorite in the A-10. But I'm just curious your thoughts. You're talking about who's following Dayton, who else can contend for a championship. We've always kind of discussed on our podcast that if you can get to around 14 conference wins or so, that seems to be the magic number in the A-10 where you at least have a chance in that at-large bid. And right now it's just kind of a mess of teams in that you know 60 to 90 range. You've got St. Joe's, Bonaventure, Duquesne, a, a whole big group of teams. Do you think any of them or maybe even someone else can compete with Dayton and get to 14 or 15 conference wins? Or is the league just too competitive this year where those types of teams will beat each other up. Yeah, I, I think, you know, Matt, it's it's so early to tell. I, I, I'm high on the Bonnies. Um, I, I watched them play against FAU the other day in that game, and I think FAU is one of the best teams in the country. And I think, you know, for 
35 minutes of that game, St. Bonavich was right there. I think they have the depth. I think, you know, Mark Schmidt just, you know, continuing to figure out his rotations. Who's, you know, what are they doing with Kyrell Luke, who was a former, you know, Patriot League freshman of the year, started the majority of the year last year. They bring in Micah Adams-Woods. He's now kind of the go-to point guard, rightfully so, you know, just in terms of his body of work, his feel, how he wants to play. You know, Chad Vinning, his development and what that staff has done with him coming from Morgan State, the year that he had last year, you get Banks back, you know, Charles Pride comes in. So, you know, you're trying to mesh this whole group together. And I don't think there's anybody better to do it than Mark Schmidt. So to me, still at this point in time, I think they're the biggest threat to Dayton um, because of the coaching, because of the talent that they have out on the floor. I mean, I've tried to get Mike Adams Woods to UMass multiple times and he's, I mean, he's just got great feel. He can play and pick and roll. He can make the right read. He's big. He's got size. And so I, I think I'm going to still continue to say that St. Bonaventure is the biggest threat to Dayton, but then you look at the league, you know, not the league standings, but the overall standings in the league right now, just in terms of teams records. I mean, what Coach Skin has done at George Mason early on in his career and his first year as a head coach is extremely impressive. Chris Caputo is, uh, you know, James Bishop and him are continuing. You know, everyone thought, you know, with what they lost last year, what are they going to come back with? How is James Bishop going to do without his number two? It was that one-two point, one-two punch with him and Brendan Adams. How are they going to respond to that? And, well, you know, they responded by starting off 10-2. and two. I think GW can be right there. We talked about St. Joe's and, you know, having one of the best guards in the league. Duquesne is another team that could be up there. So I think it's just too early to tell who's going to rise to the top. And we're going to start finding out January 6th because games are coming, you know, every three days and A-10 games are coming every three days and we'll figure it out. But I'm, I got to stick with St. Bonaventure right now, just in terms of Mark Schmidt, the transfers that they brought in, meshing that group together. We knew it would take some time. Is everybody going to buy into their roles? Uh, but I think just in terms of talent, that's, that's the next best thing in the league. Yeah, and definitely think that's a fair answer to you with how many teams are closed right now. But you look at the track record of St. Bonaventure for so many years in the A-10. Just wanted to get a little more of your thoughts on the backcourt, though, specifically, because I, I think we all expected Daryl Banks to come in. He was preseason first team in the A-10, and his stats have just done a 180 from last year, where it's hard to believe he's only averaging nine points a game. And a lot of the success for Bonaventure has been Mike Adams-Woods, who is arguably the best transfer in the league right now. Do you think for the Bonnies to reach that ceiling, they need to get Banks more involved and in getting him more production? Or at this point, do you just kind of trust what's been working and go with the trend of St. Bonaventure as a team that has pretty consistently done better in conference play than in the non-conference? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Coach Schmidt's teams have always found a way to just get better throughout the course of the year. You know, um, and these high major teams or programs that have never hired him or maybe they've tried to hire him and maybe he wants to stay at St. Bonaventure. I don't have any inside information. I'm not saying <laughs> that, but the type of coach he is and how he, you know, seems to, uh, one of the most impressive things to me about him is just his ability to evaluate um, and get more, right? He takes some of these guys that are under recruited because of his evaluation and he gets more out of those guys. 
I don't I don't like the term like more with less because I think they're all really I think you know when he got Kyle Lofton you know six years ago or whatever it was I mean Kyle Lofton was a really good player I mean with the Putnam Science and you know want you know played for a great program there so to say get more with less I don't like that term but his evaluation is saying hey these guys are the right fit for our program I think Banks's numbers were going to take a dip you don't bring in two players like Charles Pride and you know Mike Adams Woods and think he's going to continue to put up those because there's even more better players around him. So now the ball moves more and maybe it doesn't hit. Now for them to win an A-10 championship, I think, yeah, he's got to play better a thousand percent. He has to play better for them to win this league. Um, but I, I, I don't think it's a surprise that his numbers aren't the same that they were last year because he was the guy. And now Coach Schmidt and their staff, they've added more talent around them. And I think you, the decrease in his numbers, that I think it would be as drastic as it is, no. Am I surprised they've gone down a little bit? No, because there's better, there's more talent out there on the floor around him. And again, that's why I think that they they can compete for this, this title. Yeah, and we've seen throughout Daryl Banks' career, he's a guy who has some down games like he's had so far this season. But the one thing he's missing right now is those massive put-the-team-on-his-back games. And they might not come as often with these transfers here, but you got to believe that those are coming at some point in January, February. And if they do, then maybe the Bonnies are the best challenger. Yeah, I mean, I it, it, it's only a matter of time. And again, it's, it's taking time for him to figure out his role. It's different. It's new. And that's the landscape of college basketball right now is – Every year it could possibly change just based on who your personnel is and who your team is. And I think that he's learning, you know, how, how, how do I handle that? How, what's my role this year? Am I, should I be looking to facilitate more? Should I be looking to, you know, come off this pin down and shoot it and get my feet set like I'm always used to, or is somebody else open because there's more talent out there on the floor? I mean, it's an adjustment for him as well. So, you know, look, like you guys alluded to, Schmidt's teams always seem to find a way to play extremely well come A-10 play. They're always going to be in the hunt, um, and I don't think this year is any different than that. Yeah, two other teams that are probably more consensus considered to be the best challengers to date and as opposed to St. Bonaventure right now, St. Joe's and Duquesne, two programs that have really struggled in past years and are having their best season in a long time here. What do you see with those two programs? Do you feel like there's something that really makes one of them special and would potentially give them a chance to challenge Dayton at the top? Yeah, Eric Reynolds and Day-Day Grant come to mind, to, to, you know, <laughs> right off the top. I think you got two coaches that um, have also, you know, grown in their tenures at their specific schools. You know, what Billy Lang has been able to do at St. Joe's, I mean, that, was a, that was a tough deal to walk into and take over, you know, I mean, Phil Martelli is, is a legend. He's a hall of famer, you know, for St. Joe's and, you know, they got rid of him and, and coach Lang comes in there and, you know, it takes him some time to, to navigate that and figure out who can he coach and who's the right fit. And that's exactly what he's done. He's always, he's never forgotten how to coach, you know, you don't go to the NBA and, you know, or coach as long as he's coached and, not learn things and know how to draw up a play in a timeout or know what we should do, you know, in terms of a two for one situation or know, 
you know, underneath out of bounds or how to run a practice. It's, Hey man, what's our locker room? Like what's our culture like and how do we get that piece? Right. And that takes some time. And I know with the transfer portal and NIL and everything that's going on, everyone's like, Oh, there should be instant gratification. That's not the case. And you got to learn and grow as a head coach too. And that's exactly what both the, I mean, Coach Dan brought in his team. I mean, my last year at UMass, I think they won two games in the league that year. That year, unfortunately for me, it, one of them was against us. Um, but you know, another thing is like I'm not doing it this way. I got to do it this way. This is what's better for Duquesne. This is what's better for our program. And I do think both of those guys and both those programs are legit contenders in the Atlantic Ten this season, no question about it. I mean, with those two guards, Day Day Grant and Eric Reynolds, I mean, you're you're talking about guys that can win you games on specific nights, right? Like my first year at UMass and Lawan Pipkins. You know, that guy can go out there and win you a game because he can go for 44, which he did against LaSalle. So, you know, I think those those two programs, because of their coaches and what they've created at those spots, both taking over difficult situations, I think, you know, those are definitely two contenders for sure. Yeah, and a testament to administrative patience for both of those guys getting a chance to build up these teams to where they're at now. But we'll flip it. Let's let's take out those four teams we just talked about, throw VCU and George Mason in the contender group with them. The other nine teams in this league, we know every year someone sneaks up and all of a sudden it's – the, it's the first week of March, and they got a real shot to get a double buy. Who are you looking at as potentially being that team? Oh man, I mean, I I do love UMass's front court. I mean, you know, Matt Cross, you know, Frank Martin recruited him when he was at Woodstock Academy when Frank was still at at South Carolina, um, and Matt's bounced around a little bit, and it just seemed like that that is a is a great fit. Um, I love their front court. I love their size. I love their physicality. You know, I think, can they be consistent from, from shooting the ball from behind the three point line, but that front court's going to give you a chance every single night. You know, we had them uh, in studio against UMass Lowell and, you know, I, I have great respect for, for Pat Duquette and um, you know, the, the battles that we had when, when I was at UMass, but I, I just think that, you know, th they're a team and I thought they played well, you know, out in uh, Maui. I, I did, you know, they were right there, you know, in terms of, of almost knocking off uh, Georgia tech and, you know, had they knocked off them, you know, they would have had an, you know, an opportunity to, to play for, for a championship out there in Hawaii. Uh, but, you know, the front court of, of cross and Cohen, I, I, I've, I just think that, that if those guys are clicking and they can make three point shots, they could win. They could win some games in this league. They they really could. Um, in terms of other teams, you know, can you count out St. Louis? Yeah, I, I don't think so. Um, you know, can you count out Fordham with what they did? You know, last year, I don't think so. I think, you know, year two for a head coach is is a challenge. I know, you know, my two ten years as a head coach. Uh, whether it's at Chattanooga or UMass, the, both those years were, were very challenging. And, you know, sometimes in year one, you create more expectations for yourself. And that's, you know, what could be going on at Fordham right now. And I, I think coach will figure it out. He's a good coach. And, um, you know, but I wouldn't count them out either, you know, and I would never, ever, ever count Chris Mooney out at Richmond. 
you know, you, you never know. I, I think he's another guy who's done this long enough that, um, you know, he'll, he'll figure out exactly what his team needs. So I think some of those are the programs that just jumped to my mind, you know, off the, off the top. Um, but, uh, you know, it's wide open and we're going to start finding out who's going to rise up on, on January 6th. Yeah. And I, I think just in terms of the league as a whole, as wide open as it is, I don't think that's really a surprise, but I do think there are some surprises across the league. Just, I, I think in particular how deep it is this year, specifically, I think last year, this time we might've had two top hundred teams and now it's eight or nine looking like it's going to be going into the conference season. But just curious if there's one team or player that you feel has really shocked you in the first two months of the season where you completely didn't expect to see their performance change in a way that, that we've seen over the last several weeks. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned Mike Adams woods in terms of a transfer, but I, I think Nate Santos, I don't think anybody saw this coming, you know? Um, but sometimes it's just, it's about fit. It's about um, culture. It's about, you know, the best place for you and to see what he's been able to do um, to me has been the most impressive thing in the league you know we know what you're going to get from Deron Holmes we expected certain things from Kobe Elvis um, but I think that's a guy that you know when you look at them and and how they played in their MTE and um, you know how he played in that and the win over St. John's the win over LSU um, I just think that's one that's you know sticks out to me is like okay this this guy's a transfer he didn't put up these numbers you know at Pittsburgh but he's doing it here and he's doing it here at a high, high level. And this is the right place for him. It's the right fit for him. And Anthony Grant's the right coach for him. So speaking of guys who are thriving in their roles now within the league, as you just look around and let, let's say you had a chance to coach one of these guys in this league and let's leave out any stars. Who's the one role player or freshman in this league that you would just love to have on your team. Oof. And you, so, so I'm not allowed to pick any, any stars. Well, here, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's flip it then. I'll give you two guys, one star, one role guy that you would build your team around. Yeah. I just think in terms of the star, I, I think you've got to go with, with Holmes, just how Anthony's using him and letting him bring the ball up the floor and, you know, kind of create his own space, but he had, he still sets ball screens. He still rolls to the rim I think he's he's just such a versatile player that I think it it you know it makes your offense that much better you know um and I'm going to throw out another guy you know I, I don't think he's a he's necessarily a role player you know but I, I think Micah Adams Woods just because of his ability to play in pick and roll and maybe he's not getting enough credit you know in the league right now and he's a He's on his second spot. He's on his, you know, his last year, but he he can see the floor in a different way. When you put him in a ball screen, he makes the right read. So if the help is coming from the weak side, he knows to skip that ball to the corner. He's got size. He's got feel. I mean, I'm interested to see again how does that team evolve. But those are those are two guys that I've been, you know, extremely impressed with. And obviously Holmes is is the preseason player of the year in the league, but I don't know if anybody thought Micah would come in and, and make the impact that he's having. And I'm really, really interested to see when this team gets a league play, have they evolved 
where's the chemistry? Have they gelled? Does Banks find his rhythm? I mean, I'm, I think those two guys are the other two guys that, that that come to the top of my mind. And I don't think we've talked about James Bishop enough either. And to have his team at 10 and two, like he has, and to lose Brendan Adams last year, who was his backcourt mate. And those two guys were a one, two punch. And to still see what he's doing is super impressive. You know, you put him in a middle pick and roll and everyone's yelling, send him to his right, send him to his right, send him to his right. And he somehow finds a way to get to his left and make plays. It's just, He's a really, really, really good player, you know, and just super impressive to see what he's doing. Yeah, and he's a guy that we've seen grow over the past few years as well. I would I would have to imagine that game planning for James Bishop at this point is a hell of a lot more difficult than it was back when you were trying to game plan for him two years <laughs> ago. No question about it, you know. I mean, and I think, you know, when they hired Chris Caputo, it was kind of, is this guy staying? Like, is there any way that this guy stays, you know, like, I mean, with the way the landscape of college basketball, you know, coaching changes, how, you know, no chance he stays. And that's exactly what he did. He stuck to it. He was committed to it. He was committed to being at GW. He likes playing close to home. And I just think it's super impressive. And I think that that's, you know, Coach Caputo being there. And there's another reason that he's having a lot of success. And he gave Caputo a chance to win early on. And I think Coach Caputo being there has set James Bishop up to have a much better professional career out of the gate than he would have beforehand, just with what he's turned him into as a passer and a point guard. Yeah, because sometimes, you know, you look at these NBA GMs and assistant GMs are looking at guys and does this guy jump around? Did he go from here? Did he go from there? Was there a coaching change? No, he stuck with the coaching change and he had a lot of success. And I think when you look at that and you see how he's playing out there on the floor and the fact that GW is having success, it's super impressive. So we'll close it out right here. One game that you're looking forward to, whether just to someone watching on the couch at home, maybe a game that you're going to be on the call or in the studio for, one matchup that you're dying to see in this A-10 season. I mean, I've talked about it enough. I want to see St. Bonaventure line up and play Dayton. I want to see – I really believe that those are the two best teams in the league. Uh, when you look at them on paper, when you look at, you know, what Dayton's done, even losing Malachi Smith, you look at the talent that St. Bonaventure has, I want to see that matchup. I want to see how that game plans that plays out. But I'm just really looking forward to January 6th, being back in the studio. We've got a three-game slate. We've got a triple header on that day. You know, I'll be in studio pretty much – Man, not every single Saturday because they are sending me on a couple games because I do like still being in the arena and going to shoot around and going to practice and seeing, you know, trying to learning different things. So I've got four different games throughout Atlantic 10 play. But if I'm not doing a game on Saturday, I'll be in studio and we're about to find out who's going to rise to the top of this league. And it'll only take a couple of weeks when you to find that out. And man, I'm excited about it. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, and Dayton St. Bonaventure, sadly, we'll only get it once, tucked away on a Friday right at the beginning of February. But we're going to get plenty of USA Network. Those Saturday triple headers are coming to us uh, just about a week and a half from right now as we're recording it. It's a great thing that we'll get to hear Matt McCall throughout those days, a, a great addition to the USA Network team last year. You can hear him on the field of 68 after dark as well. Uh, anything else to plug, Coach? 
No, that's it, man. We got to make sure before the six, we shave the beard. You know, we kind of let the beard grow a little bit here uh, for Christmas. But uh, come January 5th, we'll get that off and we'll be in a suit, which I wish we could wear polos doing TV, but we can't wear polos or quarter zips. We got to wear the suits. So the suits come back out. We never got rid of them. And um, we've got a great A-10 slate on NBC Sports, USA Network. Um, like I said, we'll be in there pretty much every Saturday, me and Ahmed Farid, who's a great colleague, a great person to work with and makes it a lot of fun. And we get to watch a lot of hoops and uh, man, looking forward to it starting January 6th. Yeah. And since we don't put this out as a video podcast, no one else gets to properly enjoy it, but we got <laughs> Matt McCall rocking a beard and a hat, not quite the man that we're used to seeing in a suit, <laughs> but regardless coach, we thank you so much for joining us here today. Anytime fellas, anytime. Thank you all for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please give us five stars on Apple. Be sure to leave a comment there. Reach out to us on Twitter at 3BidLeaguePod if you have any commentary for us. We'll be back next week to preview the conference season in full. We just might have some Power 8 hot takes coming on the way. So have a happy new year. Keep your eye out for that. As of this recording, conference play officially less than a week away.